You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Monday, so that means it's time for Shapiro World with David Shapiro from Sassman Securities in Johannesburg. David, it's five past four, Johannesburg time, and at 15.51 on the Stock Exchange News Service, an announcement came out from Blue Label Telecoms Limited, referral to the Celsi Press announcement. Please tell me more because you're very close to this one. I, I'm, I'm a little perturbed by this because, and I've, I've got no sides. My only side is that I want to protect people from making the wrong decision. You know, um, buyers, when a share trades, it means that buyers who might not be apprised of all the information may find themselves in a difficult position. You know, shares trade, so there's a buy and a sell yeah. uh, for every trade. And I think that the only way, uh, you know, information needs to be made public and uh, all information needs to be made public so people can decide on whether or not they want to buy and so on. And I think we know that Celsi, which is 45% uh, owned, sorry, Celsi, which is 45% owned by um, Blue Label, has been under has been under immense pressure. Um, they defaulted on certain debt. Now, when you default on debt, um, and S and P uh, rates you as default, it means effectively you're insolvent. You can't pay your debts. The fact that you couldn't come up with an interest payment means that anybody can put you um, into an insolvent court or can apply for your insolvency. And what happens is they've come out now. Blue Label with this view that uh, this is all part of the suspension, they say, of interest payments in July as part of a wider initiative to improve liquidity and restructure the company's balance sheet. And it goes on to say, Celsi continues to work proactively with all stakeholders to improve its liquidity, debt profile and long-term competitiveness as part of its strategic roadmap. What a load of, you know what? Now, you tell me what that means. No idea. That means they cannot pay their debts. Hmm. In other words, Celsi cannot pay their debts. And uh, from my point of view, it requires some interference or some intervention from the stock exchange to say, what is happening? You know, is the company a going concern or not? And that's important from the point of view and the investment point of view. Now, okay, uh, Celsi, uh, sorry, Blue Label might have other assets. You know, they might have other businesses, but this one should be worth zero in their balance sheet. In other words, I don't know whether there are any liabilities that they have, contingent liabilities um, that might arise out of that. You know, if I own, if I buy shares and they go bankrupt, well, they birth zero. I have no obligation. But we need to know what the position is. They've delayed their accounts for a month. And I think, I think somewhere along the line, the stock exchange is taking too much of an easy or a very liberal attitude towards this. They did it with Steinhoff as well. Remember, yes. uh, we had similar attitudes with Steinhoff where um, people went in believing that there was some value and subsequent to that date, uh, the shares have just gone lower and lower and lower and probably will eventually be worth zero. Although I see they did pay their preference shareholders um, a small amount. Just going on with the, <laughs> with the Cell C story and never mind Steinhoff uh, because it says here, an agreement will lay the groundwork for a broader national roaming agreement supporting South Africa's policy goals of avoiding debt network duplication, Cell C said. Cell C engaged with S&P throughout the process and are of the belief that they are on the right track with the <laughs> transactions currently being finalised. Yeah. Okay. 
What, 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 what transactions? What, 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 what are they talking about? I, I think I think that there are. I think what's what's happening. Of course, many many people have contracts with uh, CLC. Right. Have paid in advance, and uh, um, I don't think government wants to see CLC go in. You know, because of the problems that it might cause, and maybe there there are moves to uh, to allow to merge with someone or to try and save it. But I mean, from a from a point of view, Lindsay, from 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 our point of view, I'm saying, does this protect anybody buying blue label at the moment? You know, what um, at at their price now? What level, or sorry, what price does it does are they uh, valuing? This LC, you know, what happens if it does go in and it is worthless? You know, what does that mean for buyers of blue label? That's where I'm worried about. And uh, but I think I'm old school. <laughs> come from a different zone or a different era. You know, <laughs> so that's it. Yeah. Anyway, it's it's not a big company, but I just I I I just you know I just can't fathom out what these. Uh, what this all means, and it's an Investec Bank Limited statement, so I'm sure they're behind it as well. Um, I'm not criticising them; they're the sponsors. But uh, you know, in many cases, there's, there's there's really very little in it. It's just a whole lot of words that are put together that don't give me any comfort. Stadio Holdings Limited came out with their results at 7.05 this mm. morning. Uh, interim results for the six months ended 30th of June. The share price down around about 5% as we speak, David Shapiro. This has been a bubble waiting to burst for quite a while mm. now. Mm. I, I think so. Look, it's on the face of it, it's a pretty good result. I like the company very much. I think because it's in education, and I think there's a, it's, it's a very good industry and they handled it very well. This is Chris Van Merver's business. Sorry, before you go mm-hmm. on, do you like it yeah. because you, you're an intelligent man and you like people to be educated because that's the future of the country, or do you like it as an yes. investor? Yes. No, I don't like it as an investor. Oh, there I we mean, go. because you, – you, you know why? Because it requires a huge amount of money. They're very brave to be doing what they are. I know that they're building an enormous campus in the Western Cape, which is going to provide uh, additional tertiary education for people who want to be educated. I've been out of Curo and I've been out of Stadio for a very long time simply because of the valuations and knowing that these kind of institutions need to spend a huge amount of money before they start to provide returns for shareholders. And I think the problem with Stadio and Curo, which have come under a lot of pressure in share prices over the last couple of years, largely because um, we're, 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 we're in an area of the market now or in a time where um, they're not being able to fill the schools. It's taking them longer to fill the schools. And I think the same thing's going to happen um, in this situation. Someone has to pay. You know what I mean? This is not a free education uh, institution. But still, yes. on the face of it, it's an improved result. But uh, I still think these, these shares are very expensive relative to the kind of returns that you're going to make. And that's what you're asking me. Okay, let's move on from there and let's go to a company called Process. Do you know what Process is? Yes, yes, yes. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Just before we get to the details of this, do you like the name or do you not like the name? I don't know what it means. Sounds like a what monkey. Is process Pro SUS. I know, I thought so. One of those with the funny noses. Exactly. Proboscis, Proboscis monkeys. Yeah. It sounds it, I'm sure I'm just being very superficial mm. here, but anyway, mm. it says here Naspers announced I, I was hoping mm, mm. I was hoping it was one of these Shelf companies, you know, shelf three, shelf four, 
where uh, lawyers sometimes register companies and then you uh, eventually change the name. But process doesn't uh, mm. doesn't sound that great to me. It doesn't inspire me. You know, process. I don't know what it means. No, no one does. Nespes anyway. announced its intention mm. on the 25th mm. of March of this year uh, to list its international internet assets on Euronext Amsterdam and as a secondary mm. listing on the main board of the JSE. This mm. is the big thing now. I mean, the arbitrage between the two different exchanges. What is it going to unlock value? Is it a good move? Have they got some kind of grand corporate plan for the future to split up the business? I don't know. But they're cleverer than we are. I, they are clever, and I think there is a chance that they might unlock some value. And I think the reason is once they go to Amsterdam, it gives them access to uh, greater capital markets from which they can raise money or be able to whatever kind of money they want. And I think uh, a lot more deals will become available to them. Um, so Bob van Dyke is from that area. He's comfortable in that area. And, and maybe you can find the emergence of a European uh, IT business. They're not many, uh, you know, they're, they're not many, but um, I think it does give them a chance. So I'm quite positive. I think valuation Good. still lies in 10 cent. It's a complicated deal. That's going to mean that the local government collects a huge amount of capital gains tax because uh, you can't avoid it in, in the deal that they're proposing. But um, and I'm not going to go through it at the moment, but it's a, it's a complicated deal. But I mean, it, it's, you know, hopefully it does unlock some kind of value for, uh, for shareholders and that they do grow. Mm. That's a fantastic company. And as we know, there are people behind the scenes that are far, far cleverer than, than me. Mm. And uh, maybe even <laughs> exactly. some of them are cleverer than you. Uh, Supergroup. A lot uh, cleverer. <laughs> Supergroup today reported an excellent set of results, it says here. Given the challenging market conditions, both locally and globally, revenue increased 6.2%. Headline earnings increased by 13.6%. Headline earnings per share by 12.5%. Let's have a look. No dividend, though, it says, has been declared for the year ended the 30th. Of June, so I don't know what the reason behind that is. Supergroup, it's a logistics company. Yeah, it is. I'm surprised because that share price has come under severe pressure. So that result is better than I thought. Look, it came out fairly late. Um, it came out about an hour ago. I haven't had a chance to go through because um, you now have to go to the internet and uh, download the presentation to see what's happening. But yes. I've been watching Supergroup, and it's actually been. It's been an, uh, or a very poor performer for, uh, for whatever reason. So this is a little surprise that they're actually um, positive. I thought there was going to be some kind of a shock um, in, in the numbers. You know, if, and why I'm saying that, I just picked up the chart now. If we go back uh, not even a year ago to this time last year, let's put it this way, those shares were 41 they're now down to what about 27, 28. Mm. So they've come down dramatically on, you know, uh, maybe probably, you know, on the logistical side of the business. So that 12 and a half, is, uh, yeah, I've got to go and in, interrogate it. And the answer might be exactly what you've said there is no dividend. And it might be that, uh, um, you know, they're conserving cash for some other issues. But uh, um, I'm going to pass on that one for the meantime. Because, uh, you know, just, just for further investigation. 
So, we'd have had time to go through it in greater, you know, greater detail. Like the bean counter that you are. You're a measured individual. No, of course, and that's why you've been so successful. Let's have a look at what happened on Friday, uh, David, because yeah. Mr. Trump came why? out and he came out with something that I found quite extraordinary. He suddenly said, right, because China is imposing uh, some tariffs on a certain amount of our goods, I'm going to do it. Uh, I'm going to do it as well. I'm going to, it's going to be a tit for tat situation. And then over yeah. the weekend, somebody, it questioned him and later on there was some kind of confusion as to his answer to the question from the journalist and he said no what I actually meant was that I wanted to actually put more or rather a higher percentage of tariffs yeah. and then the market overnight I mean this morning around about half past 12 I was looking at the S&P for some reason and it was down about 30 points then it went up about 30 points and now it's more or less flat on the day this is it, untradeable. It's up a half a percent. Mm. It's up a half a percent on the day. Now. No, it's not. So it's, it's actually the, the futures are now flat on the day, David. Oh, I'm looking at the futures. futures I, I promise you. Uh, and obviously they're the oh, leaders yeah. because they're the most Market instantaneous. Surges. Trump says China wants to resume talks. Yeah, That's right. the latest headline that's come back. Well, we don't, we're, we're as confused as you are. It's all over the place, Lindsay. It's, now, let me, let me go back to Friday because yes, please. you missed one one point there, which is important. Go on then. We go down. This is this is this is the hysteria that we have to go through on a day-to-day basis. We go down, okay, because China is going to now impose tariffs on uh, the U.S. So we go down about a half a, a half a percent. Yes. We then pick it up. We make it up when Jay Powell talks, which you forgot at Jackson Hole. Yes. And on his talk, he left the he left the room open for further rate cuts. Uh, saying, listen, you know, uh, U.S. economy is okay, but you know the trade wars. We can't read them. We don't. You know, he comes out with a statement. At that point, okay, we're flat. We're actually up. Trump then comes out. Who's the bigger enemy? Is it Powell or is it President uh, Xi? Xi? Yeah. Who's the bigger enemy of the U? In other words, you, you you're suggesting that your uh, central bank governor. The man who leads the central bank is actually an enemy of the state, a traitor. Mm. And I mean, so after that, together with the fact that he's going to impose for it, we go into the sink. You know, we just sink lower and lower. Eventually, when he came and increased the tariffs, ending two and a half percent lower. So that's what we have to go through. And then believing that this is going to continue, he backtracks again. And now we're flat and picking up. I mean, it's absolute madness to try and understand markets and position yourself looking at fundamentals. Lindsay, the big worry is that we don't know what this means. And I was reminding people this morning of Mishkin. I don't know whether you would remember. Fred Mishkin was a Fed governor back in the 08, 09. I can't remember whether he was Kansas or whatever Fed governor he was. But at that stage, we were all panicking about something called subprime, if you remember. 2006, <laughs> 2007, actually, was, was the first warning of subprime. Yeah. Anyway. Fred Mishkin came out, and he, I think I hope his name is Mishkin, but he came out and said at that stage, it's a very small percentage of the property market. At, you know, at, uh, at worst, it will affect the U.S. economy by, I don't know, some very, very small amount. What he didn't know, and this is what I'm trying to get at, is that little, that subprime virus was embedded in hundreds of products or, I don't know, in billions of rands worth, dollars worth of products that had been exported to the whole world. And this little virus was there, this toxic virus, which caused uh, a massive crisis that we know we're still trying to get out of. 
So what worries me is this trade wars. I don't think we know what kind of virus it has. And that's my, you know, that's my deep concern. I don't know what it means, you know, and how this will unfold. And we will only be able to tell over time, you know, what this, uh, what this all means and these trade wars. So uh, it's a concern, yeah. Yeah, uh, from 1994 to 97, Mishkin was executive vice president and director of research at the Federal Reserve Bank of New York and an associate economist of the Federal Open Market Committee, the FOMC of the Federal Reserve System. Mm. He was the editor of the Federal Reserve Bank of New York's Economic Policy Review, etc. And from 1997 to 2006, he was also an academic consultant and served on the economic advisory panel of the New York Fed. Yeah, so he was he was right up there. He was one of the top guys. <laughs> that, and I remember that statement. I remember Fred Mishkin, it's not going to be a problem. Somewhere in my notes, I'd find his quote. It was at Jackson Hole. It was at Jackson Hole that he said it, you know, which we just finished on the last weekend. So anyway, I remember that. And what worries me is that it only pointed out to me we don't know you know, how these things work. We don't know today. Modern economies are so complicated. Trade is so interconnected. You can't just remove yourself and make the kind of statements that Trump does. There was a chap called Peter Schiff who I speak to regularly, and uh, he was mm. on CNBC, I think, in 2006, 2007. And he said there's a problem coming with the, the, the subprime lending environment in the mm. in the United States, and people are, are, are buying houses uh, just because, and they're flipping them and trying to flip them like mm. like a like a burger flipper at, uh, mm. at Wimpy or McDonald's or something. And he was laughed off CNBC. I've I've got yeah. this I've got this clip, and I keep on watching it, and I keep on remembering it. Mm. And eventually, it happened. And I think Mishkin is one of those people that are dismissive, like the people were to Peter Schiff on. Mm. CNBC, they dismissed his arguments, and people are dismissing the Trump situation. I believe. I, I, I think so. I think uh, conditions may be difficult, may be different. You know, we haven't got uh, a housing bubble. Uh, interest rates are low, and there are a whole lot of other issues. But my my main point is that we don't know. You know, we don't know what this really means. We don't know what it will mean if China imposes tariffs on the U.S. to the extent that they have, and vice versa, you know, the U.S. on China to the kind of extent, how it's going to affect other global economies. You sent me a message. You said we are collateral damage, meaning South Africa. Yes. And that's the big problem. We'll just be chucked out with the, you know, with all the other trash. It's, uh, we, you know, we will, it's, it's not going to favor us in any kind of way at all. It's, uh, it's very serious if the world does go into uh, some kind of decline. Yeah, the thing that worries me is the volatility at the top of a market. The day's range on the S&P futures today has been 2,811 to 2,888. Now, mm. if I'd have said to you the day's range on the S&P uh, five years ago had been 79 points or 10 years ago, had been, yeah. you, you would have said, goodness me, what's happened? Has there been some kind of nucle nuclear fission or something going on? <laughs> some, <laughs> some kind of wars broken out in the Far East or in, in Europe? Yeah, no. Exactly. no. But no. it's just become the norm. We've become desensitized, it's David. Yeah, it, it's, that, that's why it's so hard to, to manage money uh, because of the volatility and because markets move um, at such pace, either way, either up or down, uh, if a company misses, it can lose 10 or 15%. If a company gains, it can gain 10 or 15%. And I mean, in, in value terms, that's huge. And as you're saying now, you know, the way that markets move now, it's, uh, it's very, very difficult 
Um, you know, it's very difficult to know where to place yourself. And Friday was an extreme example for me. We closed. When the JSE closed on Friday, the uh, U.S. markets were actually in positive ground. Not mm. heavily positive, but they were positive. Uh, only to, op- to, you know, to uh, wake up this morning or come to work this morning with the markets having fallen, uh, the NASDAQ having fallen over 3%. And now, now it's party time. You know, I'm just looking at a lot of green on my screen that's coming from the U.S. <laughs> mm. And uh, anyway, it's, it's, uh, we live through it. Yes, we do. Yesterday, I don't know what you were doing in the afternoon, but um, I spent my time <laughs> watching something called cricket. Now, this particular cricket match was between uh, two old foes, England and Australia, and they were competing for something called the Ashes. And I have never, ever seen anything like it in my life. Mm. I know you used to go to the Wanderers on a Sunday because mm. there was no television mm. and no Xbox and, and anything else <laughs> as a kid. You used to go to the Wanderers and watch cricket. So you're intimately yeah. familiar yeah. with this particular game. What an amazing what afternoon that was. It, it, it was, and it was absolutely staggering. And credit, you have to give the man credit. I mean, uh, this is... Um, uh, ben Stokes, ben Stokes yes. who, who took on the Australian, I mean, the Australian, they're not slouches. They're a very good team, the Australians. And I don't know what, 70, 80 runs with one wicket stand. 73 they needed with one was wicket 70 left. 70 with, with one wicket standing. And yeah. I mean, he, he just lashed out and he played it though it was a 2020 game. And to have that kind of courage and to have that kind of, he knew that's all he could do. He couldn't bat and get singles as you would in a test match. And I mean, his eye and his timing were just just something I have never seen and courage to do what he did. Uh, I think this is one of the finest sporting events or sport, you know, what, what did you call it? Uh, yeah, it wasn't a finisher that I've ever seen. And I watched Arsenal beat Liverpool 2-0 well in 1989, you know, those kind of games. Yes, but Thomas. I yeah. watched that game as well. What Michael was his Thomas. name? Michael Thomas uh, scoring Michael that goal. Thomas, yeah. it was the most ext- that was extraordinary. But this equaled that, I think. Uh-huh. I think I think this was absolutely – this is one of those – and, you know, you were there, you watched it, and I loved the crowd. It's uh, The crowd were hysterical every time. They scored a, a run and uh, Leach, what's his name, the, the last bit? Leach, yeah, the guy with the glasses. Leech. They're you know, saying that his probably the best innings of, of any oh, innings in cricket history yeah. and he only scored one. He, well, he faced, and he only faced about 10 or 11 balls. He stayed there. Uh, it was incredible. <laughs> and do you know what the, the, the reason why I'm quite close to Ben Stokes and his career is because in 2013 I was at the Melbourne Cricket Ground courtesy of Investec and the English Cricket Board and I was sitting down I was watching this there were 99,000 people there on the first day the biggest ever crowd for a cricket match and I'm sitting in the ECB stand and there's a chap next to me and he seems quite nervous and I was, he started talking to me and he said, I'm sorry if I'm a bit fidgety. And it was uh, Ben Stokes's uncle. And he said, my, my son has made his debut on this Ashes tour and he's coming out quite soon. And I said, well, tell me about him. And he said, you just got to watch out for this guy because he is so focused. He is so determined. He is so stoic. He's yeah. so brave. And ever since then, I've been watching Ben Stokes's career. And he's, he, he's, ama- he, he's mm. amazing. He's an amazing mm. cricketer. Mm. No, wonderful. I mean, both of bat and ball. Yeah, brilliant. Mm. Okay, and Arsenal lost 3-1 to Liverpool. Yeah, well, they're an average side. <laughs> what did you expect? 
<laughs> yeah, they really are average, aren't they? <laughs> How long do you think David Louise? I mean, oh God. Uh, I think it's a. I think it's a good signing. I, I, I was go- mm, Don't no, you think no. it's a good signing? Eight million he quid. Stupid things, man. Yeah, I mean, he does stupid things. And and when you one 0 down, it's one thing. Give another goal, match over. Mm. And stupidly, but I think I got the light in watching Man United and Spurs go down as well. Yeah, I think they just kind of offset the the pain a bit. Don't you think that? <laughs> so, don't you think that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is out of his depth? Yeah, totally, totally. I, I think you're going to see the same thing with Lampard as well. I think both of them are just too junior, too uh, uh, too inexperienced. And uh, you could see, you know, you could you could see that with uh, with Man United. I mean, Roy Hodgson had them taped. Mm. Hey, brilliant, Crystal Palace. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> you're so South vind- of London. <laughs> you're so vindictive, David Shapiro. Thank you very much for your time, David Shapiro <laughs> is from Sassman Securities, and that was Shapiro World. That podcast was proudly brought to you in association with ShareNet.co.za. Visit strictlybusinesspodcast.com and subscribe to receive exclusive content straight to your inbox.